you can be a witness or be an example. At the end of the day, that's your choice. What do you want to be? In this episode, we talked to my man, Corey McKinnon, who is just killing it on all fronts. But quickly we realized early on in his journey, he had to be investing in himself, has invested well over $250,000 in his own development, part of Tony Robbins' inner circle, and continues to rock the real estate market. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, okay, this is exciting. I always say the same thing for every guest because I'm spoiled rotten every time I have someone like uh, Corey McKinnon on. We've had some amazing guests and continue to do so. So Corey McKinnon, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Hey, thank you so much for having me, man. I know there's lots of other things that people can be doing on a Friday, but I choose to do things like this with you. No, I appreciate that. And you know what? I'm, I'm blessed in that I get a chance to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm tightly knit with Corey. Corey's one of my coaches. Um, and uh, I'm blessed in that I'm able to speak to Corey on a very regular basis. And it's a shame for everybody out there that doesn't have that ability because Corey is just a wealth of wisdom, uh, knowledge, um, and looking at not just real estate, but he's also the one uh, coach that will uh, kick my ass. And then not kidding, you kick my ass if I'm not getting my workouts in or if I'm not getting enough water. So anyways, let's start with that, Corey. So Corey, I mean, you know, your, your approach to life is not just real estate and business and chasing dollars. I mean, you have this, you know, you know, mind, body, spirit, and you just, it seems like you got to figure it out, man. You got, what's a caramel secret? Well, I think it's important, right? And I've, I've been through the fire, right? I've, I've been through, you know, focusing on the body too much and then, you know, or focusing on, on work too much or not focusing on your spirit as much either, right? And, you know, sometimes you're like, well, can I really focus on all these things all together? And the answer is, well, yes, you need to or else you're going to have a, a major crack in the armor. And um, at the end of the day, you know, life is like a wheel, right? We got um, spiritual time management, family, career, doing meaningful, meaningful work, you know, finances, time management, all these things need to mix in together. And if that wheel's not in somewhat balance, I mean, I know nothing uh, great is ever created in balance, but if you can't keep a reasonable balance, that, that wheel is going to be, you can't really drive a car with a wheel that looks like a square, right? It's going to be a very bumpy ride and you can't go very fast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's a great point. And, you know, and what I love about our weekly calls together is uh, you, you have that element, you're, you're asking questions, you're challenging me on different areas. And, and like I said, that holistic approach. So, you know, right. something obviously shifted for you to, to get to that level. And, you know, you speak at such a different vibration than many others. I know you invest heavily in yourself. But before we get into that, maybe you can talk to us about the Corey McKinnon pre-real estate Sure. Um, you know, I guess how far back should we go? Right. I mean, I was, Let's uh, start. I, I mean, you have an, you have an amazing story. I know, uh, you know, I don't want to, you know, it's going to be your story, but you know, I think your dad, uh, you know, was a landlord and so you were, had some exposure to that and maybe let's start there. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I was exposed to real estate, like my dad used to dabble in it a little bit. Right. And by no means does that make me an expert, but I think at a young age, you just kind of see some light bulbs turn off, uh, sorry, turn on that, you know, you know, people actually do these things. Right. And, um, you know, my dad is, a um, one of eight kids and, uh, first oldest kid as well. So left the house at an early age and just started making things happen on his own. 
So my earliest recollection is actually um, living in a house, if anybody's from the Sarnia area, it used to be Clark Road School. So we used to live at the very end of the school field in this, you know, at the time it was probably a 50 or 60 year old house and now it's probably approaching 100 years old. And uh, meanwhile, a lot of my peers were living in newer homes across the street because that was where the brand new subdivision um, was being put up. So, but you know, dad was a shift worker. So anytime you could spend with dad was great whether it was, you know, watching them paint or fix up things. And, you know, definitely um, um, one of those guys that could figure out how to do almost anything, right? So um, what, what do they call that? That's the, um, uh, it'll come to me. <laughs> so there's, there's a certain kind of man that can, that can do all that kind of stuff, right? So. Like a Swiss Army knife. That's right. That's right. So didn't, didn't come from a whole lot you know, single, uh, single income family. And, you know, back then though, I mean, you could buy a house for one to two times earnings, way different than it is today. You know, today you need six to seven to eight times earnings to get into your first property. Sure. Money was a lot more expensive back then, but man, you know, if you just hunker down and, and really focused on paying off your, your property, you know, 50% of your income, um, you'd have it paid off in like four to six years. So, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes people even looked at having a mortgage back then as like, really you have a mortgage on a house. You couldn't you know, hunker down for a few years and maybe rent somewhere and then just boom, pay it with cash. Like what's wrong with you sort of thing. Right. Whereas now it's really the norm and it's actually abnormal to not have a mortgage. Of course. Of course. So from there, um, I know you, you've, you know, you've done so much, Corey. I mean, you, you, I can't wait for you when your book comes out. I really can't wait for your book to come out, but you've done so much. So from the, from, from those, those yeah. times, and then you went, and I know, you know, from school and then you were, I mean, you basically built yourself up, uh, which is, uh, was it uh, student works painting or st uh, if you can correct me on that, I'm sorry. No, for sure. Student works painting. And, and as, as a kid, man, things weren't, weren't easy by any means. You know, I talked about the whole, segregation between schools and stuff or at, at school I was also the youngest kid in the class and um, you know just always I was more curious and interested in different things you know I didn't play uh, the typical sports I didn't play soccer I didn't play baseball you know I, I can remember um, you know being in grade two and I saw these old golf clubs in the garage I was like hey I really want to learn how to golf and my dad was like really and so he took his hacksaw and he, he sawed off the clubs and he found a way to get the take the grip off and put the grip back on so I had this mini golf club and man, I, I swung that golf club, you know, so many times, uh, you know, playing junior golf and, you know, in, in school I did track and field, but I did the odd events, right? I, I mm -hmm. kind of strategically looked at it and said, okay, I'm strong and I'm fast. You know, the chances of me winning the hundred meter dash at a, at a regional level are probably slim, but you know, what about something like shot put or javelin or discus or, you know, something that not as many people are doing that I can still have a chance to excel. So it's, it's always about finding those things that you can plug yourself into. And being okay with being different. You know, I think so many people are afraid of what other people are going to think about them. And I just got over that at a very, very young age. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's incredible. Yeah. And, and before, I mean, I, there's a big, there's a big thing I want to talk about, uh, which is, which is this major. I mean, you were, you know, like you were a, a lifter. I mean, amazing lifter, you know, uh, Canadian you know, level. So let's talk about that because that, that's definitely sure. not easy. Definitely, man. And, and I always tell people, like, I take some of the things that I learned from being a national level athlete and apply them to business and life, you know. So uh, back in, gosh, grade eight, you know, we used to go over to my friend's house, lift weights and stuff like that, right? But we had no idea what we're doing. And I remember in grade nine, we, um, I got a part-time job, you know, in the Sarnia area, there's a lot of uh, uh, manual labor type farm jobs, right? So corn to tasseling, where we're literally pulling the, the tassels out of the top of the corn 
to make sure that they don't cross pollinate. And there was this fellow on the bus who was just talking about, hey, uh, yeah, you know, we're like, how much can you lift and how much can you bench? Just like with real estate investors, how many doors do you have, right? All this sure, kind yeah. of stuff. But, um, <laughs> you know, but as a young teenager, I mean, that's some, you know, some of the things you talk about. And he, he told me about, well, that there's actually like a formal lifting club in town. It kind of happens after school hours. You got to go to this, this, uh, this gym at this time. You go in the back door, come look for me. I'll, I'll let you in. And I remember going there. I remember looking in, trying to see my friend. I couldn't see him. And uh, so I actually left, you know, I, I, uh, cause it's pretty intimidating, right? Being, uh, you know, I think I was 12 years old and there's like all these like 15, 18 year old guys in there. Um, but encouraged me to go back again. He's like, Hey, I must've just slipped out to the washroom, whatever, found him again and uh, started training. So, you know, from the age of 12 to, to 26, I mean, that was like my, that was like my part-time job and, um, wasn't uh, super, super talented at the beginning. I just posted a video today about my, about my son. I mean, he's, He's, okay. he's literally deadlifting 20, 30 pounds over his body weight and he's five years old. He's going to be six in a, in a couple of weeks, but um, definitely had to work for it. But it's one of those things, you know, people that put in the work, never underestimate the value of hard work because you can get to the national and world level at things if you just put in the work. Don't cut corners, put in the time. And that's, that's just how I've always been, whether it's in business, life, um, physical body, whatever. So mm-hmm. it, it's so important. So... Would you say what like what are the parallels then from being a national level athlete, especially in lifting, where there's no room for error? You just where there's an error, you're you're injured or possibly um, handicapped. Uh, and uh, what can you take that into real estate then? Sure, good question. Um, I think like with anything, and and people kind of tag me as like the mindset guy, right? But maybe it's just because I'm not afraid to talk about it, or I've, I've read more books about it, or you know, I did my high school thesis on this and it's just something that I'm a huge believer in that anything that you want to create in life is always created in your mind first, right? So thoughts really do become things. Thoughts are real. You can, you know, um, manage your own thoughts and it's, it's a habit. So with weightlifting, it was always uh, that mental rehearsal. Okay. So, you know, actually doing the workout and because lots of times we're, we're actually lifting weights that we've never done before. So we're always tapping into things like, Hey, tomorrow, I'm going to have to get on the platform and go do something I've never done before. So I better practice, right? Mm-hmm. Better rehearse. So you rehearse it, you know, seems like dozens, but it's probably actually hundreds of times in your head. And once you have that confidence, you know, cause when, you know, in life, if, if you don't have confidence at what you're doing, if you don't know, like, Hey, you don't get out there and just go, look, there's actually, there's nothing that's going to stop me to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, when your spirit is not, you know, when you're wavered or when you're crushed a little bit, um, that's when you, when you don't do the things you want, but when your confidence is full on, nothing's going to get in your way. Like there can be walls, there can be challenges. Um, you know, they're put, they're put up there to, to keep the not so serious people out. But when you're, um, when you're fully prepared and ready as well as mentally and physically to do whatever you need to do, that's when preparation meets execution, which is, you know, you can, uh, you mentioned the beginning knowledge and wisdom, right? Knowledge is knowing how to do something, but wisdom is having experience from actually going through it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess long, long story. So if you, you know, by going through that kind of preparation, being okay with being uncomfortable, um, I think it's also the intensity, right? Like so many people go throughout life and they just don't live their life very intensely. Their, their relationships aren't very intense. Their business uh, activities aren't very intense. They don't take your job very intensely. If they're a salesperson, their energy is low and they're not, they're not, you know, 
because emotions are contagious, right? So if your emotions aren't high, how are you going to influence the other person that you want them to sell your, uh, buy your product, right? So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, all those things totally line up. They're totally transferable and you don't need, have, need to know how to do everything. I didn't know how to be a national level athlete, but you know, my coach had the plan. It, it, it's a very basic plan, but it involved a lot of hard work. And as long as you're willing to show up, put it in the hard work and obviously you got to sleep and eat properly too. That's what you do after hours. Half the workout is, is what you do at, when you're outside the gym. Um, you know, that's how it all comes together. Great. If uh, you ever thanks. need me to, to kick your butt in the gym there, uh, Mark, more than happy to do that. Uh, you kick my ass in every aspect of my life. I, I look around you and look what I have here. I got a big, I got my four liters of water here and I made sure I wanted to show you I'm drinking my water. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, and I know, I know the viewers and uh, you know the, the ones watching really want me to get into the whole real estate side because I mean, you're you are what we consider an icon, like myself. We look up to you and what you're doing. I mean, um, and um, so before we get to the story of directly with real estate, I mean, your path of success. I mean, you talk about intensity. I mean, you have a lovely family. You have a young family. Um, I, we joked about this before I hit record and I, cause I couldn't get the words out and it's, I kept on saying, uh, you know, <laughs> balance, uh, what was I saying? I was saying, saying similar, you know, life balance, work, I kept, work, work, wife balance. And so I ended up coming, I ended up coming out work, wife balance, work, wife balance. I couldn't say life, but how do you, how do you balance that? Because you, you just work at such a higher level, your, your intensity level, but you're the calmest man in the room or calmest person in the room that is. I mean, a place to be burning down and you're just going to be walking out like you're so calm and collected. How do you maintain that intensity, main, every, maintain everything together and then trying to raise a young family? I mean, you got, you got a large family. Cool. Well, you know, you should come to my house sometime because sometimes it isn't always calm, cool, but <laughs> um, that, that's the goal the majority of the time. Well, yeah, I always tell people like, first of all, if you're not doing meaningful work in life, like I really enjoy what I do, like what, you know, working with people like yourself and, you know, uh, you know, being active on social media, like literally I, I posted a couple posts this morning and getting, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of engagements and just replying to everybody back. You know, that's my big mission in life, right? I want to make sure that, you know, people don't have to suffer as much as they need to. I mean, in life, there's always going to be suffering. That's just how life is. Uh, life isn't fair and it's not easy. So just get over it and, <laughs> and keep taking steps forward. But when you can find out what your real passion is, what your real mission is, and for me, it is, it is to serve and it's to help other people learn whether it's you know financial spiritual um physical more success in their life that's that's what my mission is right ever since i was young you know in, in grade school i got asked to be a peer tutor in like grade three or four and i, I just kind of looked at myself and i said really you know peer tutor that's uh, and it was actually for a subject i wasn't that great at but they just said look you're great at these other other subjects so i know you, it must be transferable over to this subject the subject was actually french um i'm not bilingual by any means but when you know how to hack different things okay what what do we need to do to teach you how to get through this, right? I've just been doing that for like literally 30 years. And I, I, I hate to see people struggle. If I can make their path a little bit easier, um, help to shine a light down that hallway or to help them bridge that gap, that just fills me up, man. I mean, it doesn't feel like work. I'll work 20 hours a day doing that sort of thing until somebody gets it. When that light bulb goes on, that just really, you know, fills me up. So um, I guess it helps when you like your job or you like what you're doing, your career. And, you know, at home, we, we just have to have a lot of communication. We have to be very clear with what we, um, you know, having a supportive spouse is always very important too. So my wife uh, used to be in the trenches with me a little bit before we started having kids. She would come on job sites a little bit and help me paint here and there, um, but always super supportive, even though if it got her out of her comfort zone when it came to, 
you know, having mortgages because she came from a house where her father just owned everything in cash. I mean, she's a uh, second generation Italian. Uh, her parents came here right off the boat. And, um, you know, just everything was like paid for in full. Like, why would you carry debt on anything? And after a while, even her father started to invest with me because he saw, okay, I get it now. Like houses are so much more expensive. It doesn't make sense to own one when you can actually have mortgages on six and you can be pay paying those down. And then in 20, 25 years, you own them all. So um, I guess, uh, long story short, you got to have communication. You got to have somebody that's on your side and you got to like what you do. No, those things all definitely help. So true. So true. So when, what year would you say you started your real estate journey? Well, I remember being 17, one of my best friends at the time, uh, Dave Roberts, if you're listening, Hey Dave, how's it going? Mm -hmm. Um, so in grade school and high school, his, his father was a real estate agent. So I remember being 17 and actually getting, uh, you know, wanting to go see a triplex. Right. And I had no idea of how I'd ever buy it. And I think the thing was only like $18,000 back then. It was crazy. But, um, it, you know, I, I was never afraid to start exposing myself. I remember in college, I remember I, I worked a part-time job, my co-op, I went to school for sports and record men at the time. I thought I wanted to own a gym or work for a big sports team at the time. I realized that those just didn't pay the way that I felt I was worth, even though it would have been really meaningful work back then. Um, uh, one of my coworkers said, hey, this new book just came out. It's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, by this guy named Robert Kiyosaki. You got to read it. I was like, okay, sure. I read The Wealthy Barber, I think, before that. Um, so I read the book and just really spoke to me. Um, and that year I got a job as an entrepreneur running a franchise through Student Works Painting. And my boss uh, that year, my district manager, Charles McLennan, he actually was house hacking back before it even had a name. It was just kind of like live in a duplex and rent it all out and try to cover your costs. I mean, there was a big long acronym for it. Mm -hmm. So I um, got exposed that way. I just figured, you know what, if, if Chuck can do this, then I can do this as well. So I started looking for properties back in uh, uh, 2001. And unfortunately, at the time, I started spending the money for my new career before I actually had it. And then we had our worst year on record, right? So um, I had all the furniture, I had a nice car, I had all the nice clothes, but we didn't have the commission checks at the end of the year. So I thought, okay, well, I'm smart. You know, I didn't teach in school, but I'm going to take one credit card and use that to pay another credit card. And then I missed a payment. And that affected my credit score for a while. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go pay top rates for, for a property. I was a little bit stubborn that way. So I'm going to take some time and educate myself. And it wasn't nearly as easy as it, was, as it is today. I mean, you know, if you start to look, even your channel, I mean, if somebody could just follow your channel by as, uh, you know, it's uh, the wealth of knowledge they can get versus what was available back then. It was really like being a modern day detective. Like you had to go literally hunt, make phone calls. And it was like your part-time job just to figure out how to do your first deal. Crazy. Mm -hmm. um, so got into my first deal. I was actually living in the house. It's a big old sixplex in London, Ontario. Um, decided to rent there. Uh, I remember I signed my lease on the day of 9-11, very memorable. And I was standing in my landlord's house the day that the second tower, you know, fell. And we just looked at each other and we just said, look, the world's never going to be the same. This is crazy. Um, and even right now we're going through this COVID-19 crisis and the world's not going to be the same again, moving forward, mm -hmm. guaranteed. Mm -hmm. So, but we still carry on. Um, and the landlord would, would always throw out these little things like, Hey, if you want to buy it, it's 350. If you want to buy it now, it's 365, 375. And then I remember I got promoted at the time to being a regional manager and even vice president of the, of the company there, um, student works painting. And one of my franchisees, this is back when text messaging was first coming out. She sends me a text saying, Hey Corey, or maybe it was a blue, a Blackberry, a message on Blackberry messenger, but, um, Hey, there's a for sale sign on, 
on, on your lawn of your sixplex where we, where we come for uh, biweekly meetings and payroll events and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, whoa, I thought he was going to give me a call if he ever wanted to sell that, right? So, um, you know, he was asking a higher price. It sat on the market. It kept falling apart on inspection because they had some asbestos and a little bit of knob and tube and um, galvanized and stuff like that. So he fixed up all that stuff. We made a private deal. It was pretty cool because we even did like a credit on closing. Like my first deal was, was actually, I, I compare it to running a marathon. So a lot of people get started with a 5K race or something like that or a 3K try to run. I went in for the full marathon, figured out how to do a sixplex uh, creatively. Um, still had to come up with 25% down because back then that's how you avoided all the CMHC fees. It wasn't 20% down, it was 25% down. Yeah. So when you stretch yourself, you know, in the beginning, then everything else is going to be easier after that. So go, go for the hard thing. It's okay. Like, um, don't be afraid of hard things, you know, figure out how to do it. Link arms with people that know how to do it. That's how you get better in life. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, I look at, I mean, I was at one of your projects, uh, last week and the church. So I know a lot of people are going to say, cause again, it goes back to that, uh, that machismo, how many doors does Corey have? How many doors does Corey have? How many properties does he have? So before, maybe we got to ask that question. I mean, um, along your journey since then, at your most, how would I mean? What would say your product portfolio was at your highest? Sure, and you know, I'm I'm always evolving too, right? So by no means have I finished my real estate game. Yeah. Um, by the time this church project is done, we're going to have over a hundred doors. So that's that's go. a that's a good landmark uh, goal for me. And and some of my doors are entire homes or they're large large apartments. These aren't just all a hundred, you know. Uh, bachelor units or one bedroom units. So mm -hmm. um, for me, it's always been, you know, if I'm going to do a deal, I'm going to make sure it's, it's definitely worth a damn, definitely worth doing. And, you know, I'd rather make, um, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of making thin profits. You know, if I'm going to go do a deal, like I just did a flip and I'm not one of these people that wants to only make $10,000 on a flip because I think that's risky. You know, if, if the market, if the market literally has a cough and retracts just a little bit, then you're smoked, you know, all your mm -hmm. profits gone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I always tell people say, say no to the good deals so you can say yes to the great deals and you can, you know, you can also take a good deal and turn it into a great deal by, uh, you know, creative financing and negotiation and crafting that into something that's going to work for everybody. Um, that's great. Yeah, so so that's, that's my, that's my philosophy, man. I'd rather do less deals, but have better deals mm -hmm. and be more profitable. So again, I can spend less time, you know, turning and burning and grinding through them and just focusing on my, on my mission and loving on my family and my friends and people like yourself, man, at the end of the day, you know, we, we only have a few different things, right? It's your, your acts of service and your acts of love. So if you're getting too tied up in the daily grind, you can't do those two things. It's very difficult yeah. to do. Very, very true. What would you say, what, do, what would be your strategy right now? Would you say it's more the buy and hold? Cause I know you just mentioned the flip. I'm actually the flippy, I guess you can call it that, because uh, <laughs> we signed some paperwork on that today. So thank you very That's much right. for being kind and being. <laughs> but, no. um, so, you know, you mentioned the flip and you do have the buy and holds and you have um, this, I, what would you call a church turning into 29 units? Is that a burr? Is that a development? What is that, right? Like, what is the beast? <laughs> That's right. You know, and I've, I've always been more of kind of a burr guy. And I was fortunate that, you know, in real estate, if people know the, the wealth triangle, right? I mean, you need to have some kind of active income. So my active income or my high, high yield income was um, being that, you know, vice president of that national company. So I was making a, over a six figure income and I could start putting my money into these burr type deals, right? So I'd, you know, buy one, fix it up a little bit. I had some great people 
in my, uh, in my life that helped me fix them up. One of them was my brother. Um, he would kind of live in units, fix them up. And, and uh, so then we'd be able to refinance and, and pull it out before there was even a term for doing a burr. I was doing the burr. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just always been, I feel it's one of the most powerful real estate strategies that people want to write down what I think the most powerful ones are. It's definitely the burr. It's uh, short-term rentals until they're not that great, right? Like, uh, you know, daily rentals don't work that well right now. So now it's mm-hmm. medium-term rentals, which is what I've always been involved in. Mm-hmm. And uh, rent-to-own and, you know, development and, and money lending too are very good as well. Mm-hmm. So I guess the church, you could say it's kind of like a big burr, except it wasn't uh, really purposed as a as a income property or a multifamily uh, building. So I guess it's more of a development. Yeah, that, it's, it's going to be awesome. I mean, I saw it and... Uh... Definitely not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. That's a that's a big deal. That's a big project. But once it's done, you have. I mean, that's like the Everest of of of, uh, of real estate deals when you turn this around. I can't wait to see it. You know, just so. Um, yeah, and it's you know I don't you know, some people have visions of doing hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of work. You know, for me, I think people need to be realistic. Like, what is your actual number that you need to retire? Okay, what what do you need to live on? Let's say if it's if it's a hundred thousand dollars that you need to live on. Okay, well, if you can lend out a portfolio or if you can accumulate you know, even a million dollars worth of assets, I guess with taxes involved, you might need to have $2 million worth of assets mm-hmm. or worth of equity. And maybe you don't deploy it all, all at the same time. So maybe you need $3 million worth of equity. But anybody that can get up to $3 million, of do- $3 million worth of equity in their portfolio can literally retire for the rest of their life. You know, if you're lending out 50% of your portfolio at 10%, um, you know, lens for private mortgages and stuff like that. Like you're really set, right? So, you know, right now I'm kind of looking at my, my equity as it's growing and, you know, transitioning to selling off some of the smaller holds and getting into bigger ones, just less foot, footprints uh, to manage and then getting more into money lending, right? Because if I believe in the asset, if I believe in the, the deal that I'd be lending on, um, if they don't pay, then we, we, we end up getting an asset anyways, right? So it's, um, it's, it's a good thing. I, I really like real estate. You know, stocks are great. You know, I've got friends that trade stocks. They do very well. But you have so little influence over the stock market. It's, it's crazy. And in real estate, you can make money in an up market, down market, sideways market. Because as long as you know how to provide um, add value and uh, turn something from nothing, I mean, you know, you'll do very well every single day, every single week, every single year. Sure. I love this, man. So many golden nuggets. This is amazing. So you've been on this path and, but at the same time, I mean, you've invested so heavily in your personal development. I mean, you, you, you sit part of Tony Robbins inner circle, you invest in all that. So why, why did, why did you do that? At what point did you feel you had to do it? Sure. Great, great question there. And, you know, I was getting to a part of my life and everybody goes through this, right? You're growing and you're plateauing, you're growing, you're plateauing. And I just felt like I was at a point where I was sort of like stuck on the intermediate hill, right? I was, I was kind of plateaued. And I guess my, my standard of being plateaued is different than other people's standard of being plateaued. We all, we all have another level. Mm-hmm. And even once we reach that level, we can always reach higher. So I just said, you know what? I need to start surrounding myself with, with different peer groups. And, um, you know, I went, I went to an event because I've been a big fan of Tony's work ever since I was in my 20s. And, you know, read his books and listened to his CDs and, and whatnot. And I just thought, well, that could, that's probably about as good as it gets, right? But going to one of his events, just a whole other level. And the biggest thing I got from being a part of his inner circle was that true wisdom is being able to explain the complex, you know, taking a very complex concept and boiling it down to something very simple to the point where you could explain this to a grade eight. Mm-hmm. 
you know. So um, did that because I wanted to uh, have a different network. I wanted to have the, the different psychologies that I might have needed at the time to break through to different levels of success. And again, it just reassured that, reaffirmed that, hey, a lot of the stuff is not the nuts and bolts. Like the nuts and bolts in real estate investing, I can tell someone how to go buy a property in like 30 to 60 minutes. This is what you got to do. But then to actually get that person to do that day in, day out consistently, you know, guess what's going to get in the way? It's going to be their stories, their limiting beliefs, their baggage, stuff comes up, other things that are more tempting, procrastination, all these different things are going to come up, right? So um, that, that's kind of my story and my journey. I've always felt like the, the best investment you can make in, in yourself is yourself. And, uh, you know, started learning that just from reading books in, uh, in high school and college. Well, well, thanks for sharing that, Corey. So, Corey, you've made a pivot and, I mean, you're, you're an, like, I just don't say this because just for the sake of saying it, I mean, you're an amazing coach. Um, tell us more about your coaching program and why you decided to become a coach. Sure. And, you know, I guess for me, like I mentioned before, I've been doing this sort of stuff since a young age. It really lines up with my, my entire purpose in life. I mean, you can strip everything away from me. You can, you can take everything away from me. You can throw me in a jail cell. And I'll still be thinking of like, how can I help other people, you know, get through the situation or, or do better in life, right? So for me, um, you know, started off being a peer tutor. And then I did it all, all through college. And I had a chance to step up in that national company, Studentworks Painting. Did that for 17 years. You know, literally every, every year working with um, at least 25 franchisees. To, you know, when I was a VP, half the company reported to me and the other half reported to the president. So we're talking about thousands of interactions where I really got to interact with people at a young age, which I love because they're pliable and they're more moldable, I find, than working with adults sometimes. But, you know, just having that experience, right, that got me to that 10,000 hour level very easily. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, well now I can, you know, because a lot of the fundamental success and uh, principles in life are, are very similar. Mm -hmm. So I, I coach people in business, I coach people in real estate, I coach people, um, you know, in speaking you know, whatever it might be that I feel like I'm passionate about and I can help provide value to them, you know, a lot of these things are, are transferable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can't kill these, these fundamentals. They're, they're always going to be there. They're, they're basically universal principles of life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've, I've, I've started getting all these requests to do it and I didn't really have a formal thing put together. This was when I retired from my corporate career about six, seven years ago. And I've always been a believer of say yes and then figure it out along mm -hmm. the way. Um, this is just what all, you know, givers and top performers do. So, you know, really in the last three years, I've lit this up, you know, really well. And, you know, I don't like to advertise. I don't like to promote. Um, frankly, it, it's, you know, I, I, let, I let my students do the talking, right? If they're getting results, that great, that's great. And uh, otherwise, I'm, I'm just really enjoying it because I know if I buy another property, it's not going to change my life a, a tremendous amount. But if I can teach somebody else how to get properties, it's kind of like giving them that fishing rod, right? Instead of giving them fish. We give them the fishing rod so they know how to do this for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. No, thanks, Corey. You know, and, and Corey, what you mean, just even our relationship, and I look at my development, uh, I mean, because it's, it's nerve wracking, it's new, and so forth. But now I feel I can jump off that cliff and you're my bungee cord and it's not going to snap. Like, I, I have, I mean, I remember it was a few weeks ago, I was on the phone with you and I was like stressing out because the bank was getting slow, there was another offer coming in, and you told me just to dial it back and breathe and let the numbers speak for themselves. And you said, this is a good deal. I'd be doing this any day of the week. And, yes. uh, and it was just, I was able just to take that pause and breathe and like, okay, it's okay. And so, uh, and that, and that happens a lot when I call you, which is a good thing. So <laughs> it's all um, good, right? 
You know, and people, lots of times people feel like they're backed in a corner because they're like, there's only one option. You know, yeah. when you only have one option, you're definitely, that's, that's the definition of that is like a dilemma, right? You know, when you have two options, you kind of have, you have a choice at least. But even sure. then, it's either like you do it or you don't. That's usually the options, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's almost like a, like sitting on a, on a, on a razor blade. You know, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, you know, when you start to get into like three options, four options, five options, you know, being more resourceful and actually tapping into other people's knowledge and experience, that's when you can calm yourself down and go, hey, okay, great. I never thought of it that, that way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we got to get in the airplane, right? We got to zoom up to the 10,000 foot level and go, look let's, look, let's look at the business from an outsider perspective, put everything aside right now. You know, how can we change? How can we do this? How can we do that a little bit better? How can we think or shift differently? So um, it kind of seems counterintuitive, like, you know, no, we got to get right in the trenches and we got to work, work in mm-hmm. the businesses. No, we actually got to work on the business. And to be a real estate investor, it is running a business. You need to yeah. set things up like a proper business. You got to have branding. You got to have a presence. You got to market all these different things mm-hmm. or else nobody knows who you are and you're not going to be very successful, right? Absolutely. So what I'll be doing for sure is in the show notes, I'll definitely put, be putting your website uh, information and where you know, guests, uh, the guests, I mean the viewers and listeners, if they want to reach out to find out more about your coaching program, I highly recommend uh, Corey's pro- uh, coaching programs. And I know it's done to me personally, what it's done to my life um, and uh, the confidence I've been able to build. So, um, so I'll make sure we add that. Corey. Um, and, and again, you know, okay. just, just, to, just to comment, the reason why you're doing well there, Mark, is because you're actually doing the work. Okay. So again, it's so important. Yes, people can have coaches and mentors in their lives, but if they're not actually falling through, I'm very proud of the actions that you've been taking. And, you know, hey, it hasn't been easy and it's been stressful and there's been fear. You know, people are always afraid of what they've never done before. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Like you're an action taker and that's very important. There's too many people in life that don't take action. And man, you know, you can either be a witness or an example. So I like that. Please get get up and do something, right? You know, otherwise you're going to hit, you'll you'll hit rock bottom, you know, by your own, by your own results, but of not of inaction, right? Because not by doing something, by people not doing anything that's still a choice but you're you're standing here right and the world is actually moving forward so even if you do nothing you're actually falling behind because everybody else is moving forward so you got to keep moving forward even at a slow pace just to keep up with things it's crazy right but you know i I just wanted to compliment you that um hey not everybody does take action i i only like to usually work with action takers and um because at the end of the day you know i feel responsible for the results too well Thanks, Corey. Appreciate that. Um, thank you. Hey, um, it's, it's, it's easy to say, man. It's the <laughs> truth. I, I speak the truth. Thanks, man. Uh, I'm going to get all blushed up in here, but the listeners can't see that, so that's okay. That's okay, man. We, we won't, <laughs> won't, won't make you cry today. It's all good. Yeah, not today. You made me cry before, but that was positive stuff. So, um, <laughs> um, Speaking of which, I got to make a comment. I think I've, I've, cried more like an, I've cried more in the real estate investing side of things not because of bad investments, but because of the awakening of my soul, finding purpose, finding my whys, you know, and who, you know, coming to real estate and I was thinking just one dimensionally, oh, that's the way it's a vehicle to, to wealth and so forth. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's, that's a whole other topic there, but again, it fits between my body, spirit and finding your purpose and your why you're doing these type of things. So, um, so although we Definitely. talk about the crying, it does, it is a part of it. For sure. It's the blood, sweat, and tears. And, you know, real estate is such a powerful investing tool. 
you know, even if people just do a couple properties in their lifetime, you know, it'll dramatically set you apart from the average Canadian or average, uh, you know, American. But um, it's, you know, when we talked about home affordability, right, being six, seven times the norm, you, know, you, you need something like this to help you get, get your other rat race. Like, what else are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, your pension's not going to get you there. You need something that you can get in with leverage. You need something that has a chance to appreciate. You need something that you can actually have an influence over the value of it. I mean, there's so many, you know, when I real, when I researched real estate at a young age, it was just like a no brainer, just like you. It was like, you're, this is my, this is my way to improve my life. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what do I got to do? And at first people just think like, okay, I got to do real estate, real estate, real estate. But really real estate is the tool to be able to let you live your true life, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to let you live your true mission. I'm sure you have, you know, other things in life you want to be doing as, as opposed to re-renting Airbnbs and, and uh, duplexes and triplexes and single family homes and all that kind of stuff, right? So everybody has their purpose and this is what makes, lets people come alive because they can actually live their purpose. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a good, uh, a good segue to uh, a very important question, which is, Corey, what is your definition of success? Well, here's the thing when it comes to success, right? So lots of times people have this big grandiose vision of like, for me to be successful, I have to do, you know, check all these boxes, right? And guess what? If they don't check all 10 boxes, how do you think they feel? Mm-hmm. Not so good, right? Mm-hmm. So people have this really lofty definition of success. Lots of times 180 thinking can actually get you further, right? So what if you had a really simple definition of success? What if your definition of success was simply making progress towards the end goal? Whether it's big progress one day or small progress, as long as you're making progress in the right direction and you're staying focused on the plan, to me, that's, that's success. And I had somebody, you know, help me with that definition like 20 years ago, you know, because my definition of success was really high, right? Mm-hmm. You know, trying to be a top performer, you know, you want to be seen well in your parents' eyes, your peers' eyes, all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. At the end of the day, it just, you know, it's really the compound um, wins over a long period of time. Okay. Like everybody sees these, you know, people on social media, they're like, oh man, they must've just like, bam, all of a sudden they're successful in like three months, six months. It's like, man, I'm sitting here talking to you about, you know, 15 years worth of real estate. And that was two or three years worth of studying before I even got involved and 30 years worth of mentorship. And, you know, I got my first, I was, I was an entrepreneur at the age of gosh, like age 10, I got a paper route. Right. So man, I was cutting my teeth like way, way, way long time ago, right? So mm-hmm. here's the tip of the day. Just make your definition of success way, way simpler. Success is progress in the right direction. That's amazing. You come on my coaching session with you here. I love it. Amen. Like you said, right? I mean, that's great that you have, you have a podcast because you learn too, right? I'm learning yeah. from you as well. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing, I, I love living through my students, you know, just seeing what they get to do every single day, um, all the tips and tricks that, you know, cause I'm basically saying, Hey, this is, this is the vision. This is the path. And then you guys go to figure it out. And lots of times you find a better way, which is great. Corey, why are people more successful? Why aren't people more successful? Well, lots of times, uh, you know, from my, this, this is my feeling, right? This is my perspective, but I just find that they don't have any sort of models in their life. They don't have any context of like, what works, what doesn't work. They've never actually taken the time to be mindful about it. So number one, we just talked about, right? Change your definition of success. Um, I think people really need to be more comfortable. Number two would be being, being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because in life we actually have this 
highest, the highest human needs above all else, right? I talk about this when I, when I speak in front of audiences and stuff like that. But people's highest human need is not food, it's not shelter, it's not procreation, all that other stuff. It's actually the need for comfort. And when you can throw that need aside and just go, look, you know, I'm going to be like a boxer, going to training camp, sleeping on an uncomfortable bed, and just eating that frog every single day. I mean, there's books written about this stuff, but it's one thing to know it and to say it. It's another thing to actually wake up every day and actually do it, right? Mm -hmm. So being comfortable, being uncomfortable is very important. Um, and it's, it's number three, it's not, it's not hard to be successful. So you can literally copy other people's success. I mean, you can learn so much off of YouTube. You can't learn it all, but you can learn a lot and you can actually volunteer to be like an apprentice with somebody. Um, I call that modeling and mentoring. Okay. So you can model other people's success through books and videos and, and biographies. Um, or you can actually go mentor under someone. Usually mentorship is a free, a free type of mentoring or a free type of coaching, right? Because that just a law of reciprocation, that coach is going to feed back into you. Like I have mentees that I work with and every Friday we, we block off at least an hour to spend with them and just really pour back into them because they're helping me with my day-to-day -day stuff. So I don't have to be boots on the ground. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, number four, eventually you're going to hit some kind of a, a glass ceiling or some kind of a wall. And you know, at that point, you know, that's when you, when you really should look for someone that you resonate with and that's the coaching. Um, coaching is typically a paid relationship. And I've never seen somebody get to like, let's say the Olympics without a coach, you know, everybody has, you know, mentors and coaches in their lives and the people that resist them are typically only going to go so far in life. Right. I want, I want to be limitless. I know you want to be limitless, limitless. Everybody wants to basically make sure that they reach their fullest potential. And lots of times we just don't know what we don't know. Right. We have all this stuff going on around us and we can't see, we can't come out of our bodies spiritually and see what's going on. Right. So we need these other sounding boards to let us know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And my, my last point for people, number five, is really just to be mindful more often, to think more. Okay. Like actually take some time. I know hey, it's always great to kill two birds with one stone. And when you're in your car driving, listening to podcasts and all this other kind of stuff, right? But why not wake up an hour earlier when the world is quiet and just think, you know, journal a little bit. You know, it doesn't have to be just be one thing, but you need to have some kind of a routine that fills you up whether it's reading, journaling, moving your body, um, praying, meditating, whatever it is, right? But you gotta have something that works for you. And for me, it's, it's literally just critical thinking. I'm, I'm always that curious person. I used to be the why guy, always asking why. And you know, lots of times people just ask themselves the wrong question because really thinking is the process of asking yourself questions and getting answers. So if you ask a better question, you're gonna get a better answer, right? So too often people are asking the how, 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 how do I do it? How do I do it? What, you know, why me, why me? Why don't you ask this, these two questions? What do I want and why is that important to me? Okay, what do I really want in life or out of the situation and why is that so important? Because that ties into your purpose, right? When you have those two things figured out, because lots of people know what they don't want, but they don't actually know what they want. And they might have to sit in a quiet room for hours or weekends at a time and figure it out in the different parts of their life. Like we talked about, not just in work, but in relationships and family and spiritual and time management. What do you really want? Why is it important to you? Because then that will turn some things on inside of you that will give you that fire. That's just like, you can just keep throwing wood on that fire all the time because that fire is not going to go out. Right. Okay. But you need to have those answers in place first and you need to have that clarity so that you can really go achieve what you want to achieve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. So those, those are my big takeaways for everybody here. Just, you know, 
take some time and just be more mindful and think, you know, to me, it's like Sunday evenings, early in the morning, like just take time, steal some time away throughout the day when uh, other people are binging on different things, you go pull away and you go think about what you want because you can really manifest anything you want in life. It's got to be intentional though. It's got to be clear, you know, write it out, literally writing it out will actually make some connections in between your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. And when you review it, don't just write it and put it away and never look at it again. You'll, you'll still have a much higher chance of success of achieving that than other people. But when you actually pull that out and review it every single day, you know, it's top of mind. It's like it's already been created in your mind. Your mind knows no difference between what's vividly imagined and thought about versus reality, right? So it's just going to come into your life just by default. Because, you know, if you're putting in the work, you also have to put in the work and make those steps forward every day. Absolutely. I think that was my, my, my hint about my homework that's due on Tuesday. So I got it, coach. <laughs> you've, you've already been doing it, man. It's just a matter of making it even that much more clear. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Corey, you know, as we come to an end here, this has been just awesome. Like, like just floored. I mean, this just the level you just, it's just deep. And I, I can't wait for me to listen to this because like I said, I'm blessed. I get to hear it on, on a more day-to-day -day basis. Now we reason they have to have to hear it. So for sure, man. And it's, I really hope that the listeners are open to this sort of stuff. Like this is, um, it took me a lot, you know, it took me decades to actually realize that this stuff really does work. You know, I guess I needed enough examples or enough reference points in my life, you know, looking back from when I was young and I was trying to back squat, you know, let's say it was 350 pounds or 400 pounds. I would literally be writing that out and I'd be like visualizing in my head. Like this is what it, it's just, it's just going to happen today. There's no other, there's no other option. Like it's just happening. You know, and I made sure I was properly prepared and, and physically able to do it. Um, because that's important too. But, you know, so many people at some point in their life, somebody tells them they can't do something. And then another person tells them that they can't do something. And that, that, you know, lots of times, and then we start to live in this little shell, right? We, we live this smaller life, right? We need more people in our lives to tell us that we can actually do things. We are limitless and we can actually do anything that we want to do, mm -hmm. right? That's that, that's that, you know, reptilian brain protecting us because we think there's going to be a saber tooth tiger out there, but there's mm -hmm. no more anymore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just wanted to let people know, hey, thanks, thanks for listening. And you guys really are beautiful and have such potential, right? But you got to make that investment in, in yourself, whether it's picking up a book or listening to more things like this, just do something and do it consistently because that's where the real, the real benefits start to pay off when you're consistent. Mm -hmm. No, it's so true. I mean, there's a, I have a curious question and I've never asked you this, but if you're a tally, how much you've invested monetarily in self-development what would that be would you say you know it's a large number i keep a running tally sometimes and it's like at, at a certain point it's like you stop you stop adding it up because okay. it's a big number but it's 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 you know it's a quarter million or more okay okay so where i'm going with that though sorry i'm sorry didn't mean to cut you off go ahead oh yeah that's, that's okay and it's you know keep in mind that wasn't done over one year i mean that's yeah. that's spread out over 20 years some some years it was much higher some years it was lower yeah, but it's important because when you look at the amount of wealth you can do with that investment, because we don't have all the knowledge, right? You know, we have to go seek it through other people that have that have been there and done that before, and their time is valuable and it's it's worth money um, and paying for, right? So, um, you know, but when you do the average, it's maybe you know fifteen twenty grand a year. But I've been doing this for a long time, so sure. and now I'm looking for those key groups or those those individuals I can work with that, that will give me the specific knowledge I'm looking for. So I can live my best life or even sometimes it's just being in that group of people. So we all, um, you know, cause we've cut that check. We, we all have similar values. We all have similar uh, goals that we're striving for. So sure. it's almost like we're kindred spirits anyways. Right. So it's just another yeah. group to be in. Of course. So as we dig deeper into that, looking at all your coaches, 
and this I know this is going to be a very rough estimate, but looking at the coaches that you've worked with over the years, how much money have they invested in their own self-development? Man, it's uh, that, that's a great question. It, it you know millions for sure. Millions. I mean, okay. it's you know because I've worked with a lot of coaches and they've worked with a lot of coaches. So when you try to tie us all together, we're talking about a really big number. And sure. you know, also when you, when it's your time invested as well, involved as well, right? Like when I was uh, with Tony Robbins Inner Circle, I literally got to spend. You know, when I did the math. It was like seven hundred hours in the room with him over a year and a half. Yeah. Um, you know, just being in that proximity, you know, my time's almost also worth money too. So if my time's worth $500 an hour, that's another $350,000 invested, right? Plus airfare yeah. and travel and everything else, right? So it's a huge investment of your life. However, sure. you know, you can't take that away from me. Like it's, it's always going to be locked in here, man. Well, that's, that's, that's a thing. And that's what I, where I'm going with this is we're doing this for 35 minutes. And the, the amount of wisdom you're sharing is you put the equivalent of the millions of dollars of wisdom people are getting right now. Like that says a lot right there. Um, and uh, I, I think we're all blessed and fortunate for this because it is, there's, there's intention here and, and, and Corey doesn't have to do this. Uh, you could say I'm busy, like I said, his time is valuable. Um, so, you know, thanks again. And I can't leave you hanging though. I mean, I can't let you out of the, out of the, out of the cage yet. I do have that last question. Um, and that question I always like to ask all, all my guests is uh, the tombstone question. And for those who have never heard of the tombstone question, the tombstone question is, with the day we meet the maker, um, you know, we have a tombstone. We don't really have a choice of what's going to be written on that tombstone, but other people do. What will be written on Corey McKinnon's tombstone? <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to clean a block, Kleenex blocks over there. Um, for, fortunately, I've had the, the, the blessing to have thought about this question a lot um, for a long period of time. So for me, it's, it's really simple. Um, served others and left everything better than, you know, after, you know, left everything better than when I first touched it, right? So to be, uh, to be a person of service and to always improve things in my life. You're doing it already, my friend. I mean, and who knows, man, with, with COVID-19, maybe we won't even have two tombstones. It's uh, the world's going to end. Right. So, yeah, but it, it's, it's good to know your purpose in life and to, uh, that, that's really, you got to reverse engineer your life based on your tombstone. Right. So if you're not living in attention with like, what's going to be said on your tombstone, reverse that up to now, you're, you're not living in attention. So hundred percent, hundred percent, Corey, this was epic. And, uh, I can speak on behalf of everybody that's going to listen and watch this for years to come. This is just mind blowing. So thanks again. No worries, man. I'd love to see people in the comments to say like, Hey, what, what's something that spoke to them? What's, what's something we talked about today that really resonated with you? And uh, what is, what does the world need to hear more of? Cause uh, you know, Mark, uh, Mark's doing a great thing here, connecting people. And I really appreciate the opportunity and the time. And um, I'm just doing what I really, really like to do. So I appreciate it. Sounds good, Corey. And we'll definitely put your information, your Instagram handles, your Facebook handles, all your stuff on your coaching, because, uh, Hey, for those of you out there who don't reach out to Corey and you're complaining, it's it, you're not moving forward. It's on you. It's on no one else. So anyways, thanks again, Corey. It's all good, man. I'm easy to find. So, hey, guys, <laughs> have, have an awesome day. Appreciate it.